periodical podcast, the most important podcast Did that happen? That did happen, yeah. For Vancouver's huh. own third round pick they acquired in some trade, I completely forget. Actually, gotta no. bring him home. I gotta I have to make a correction. I'm sorry. Journalistic correction. We're actually gonna talk about the F1 opener today and how Tommy's been watching no. F1 before all of you drive to survive catch ons. Well, I don't know if I wanna talk about this one. Why not? Didn't, didn't go so well for me. I mean, it was entertaining. It was great to see the cars. They look great uh, on track. And obviously, the new regulations help with uh, passing and following uh, cars more closely. So it, it's definitely going to be more entertaining all year. But what, what was a pretty good race all the way through ended in uh, fireworks. But um, the Red Bull's engine, uh, spoiler alert, and not not fireworks in the air oh oh yes um, we, so. yes a reminder in f1 cars can go wrong and when they go wrong they go spectacularly wrong yeah so one of the one of the honda aka red bull powertrain engines vehicles was in flames and then two of them just stopped working at the most inopportune times um and left the drivers completely out to dry in the way, you know, Florida Panthers defense at times, too. And yes. flyers at all times. Yes. Yes. A reminder that Tommy's been doing – I'm not – it's not like trying to be like the hipster who liked the band before it got popular. But legitimately, Tommy has liked F1 longer than Drive to Survive has been around. Uh, yes, but not, not too long since, you know, Vettel's World Championships. Not, yes. And I also, you know, not I, Mantles or anything. And, and, and I, oh, no, no, no. That was too early. Uh, I also have to say, as a dedicated fan of Top Gear, I knew a lot about F1. I'm just never an F1 fan. I wasn't getting up to watch races. But you knew a lot about F1 when you watched Top Gear, basically. Uh, but anyway, no, the real reason why we're here, and you all know it's the most important podcast we've ever recorded, is because I'm not a grilled cheese fan. This is not a take on Claude Giroux. It's just I don't like grilled cheese. Did you see they're uh, going to sell those in the arena now? Yeah, good. I hope they don't run out like the Wells Fargo Center did first period. Uh, oh, the 1,000th game, yeah. Oh, they yeah. Ran out. We should also mention that we have the official 1,000th Claude Giroux as a flyer game correspondent, Thomas Krulikowski, in. Uh, he was at the game. You saw some of his uh, mm -hmm. tweets from the yep. game. I was, and, uh, as, I was as scouting. We get to talk, yes, he was definitely scouting. I gave the go-ahead to uh, add on that third. I said, you know, Bill, I think it's worth it. He's still got some hop. And, uh, well, I mean, if you play with Alexander Barkov, you're going to have hop. But uh, as we get to all the layers of this trade, as I said, this podcast is basically for us and us only. Uh, the greatest thing that's ever happened. But we'll first let you go to the 1,000th game because I didn't watch it. I was busy with the NCAA tournament and yelling at how my bracket exploded. You were watching Inexcusable. that game. Oh, it's always inexcusable. I looked at my bracket on Wednesday and thought, <laughs> this bracket is garbage. And it turned out to be garbage. I, I went prophetic. But you were at the game. It, it, it felt, as uh, Charlie O'Connor in The Athletic wrote, it felt really surreal because it was like the end of an era for a generation of people. And I'm included in that generation as somebody who grew up in the area. And it felt like, it's closure, but it's closure in the worst way possible because everyone knew what was coming and the Flyers are garbage. It's one of those weird, like, happy endings to a really terrible story. Right. It was the perfect send-off. He has 900 points in 1,000 games. 
Um, you know, only Bobby Clark has, you know, played a th- his first 1,000 games with the Flyers. He obviously played quite a few more. Um, but, you know, it was perfect. At the end, you know, we got a couple laps. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the laps with the cup that we could have had, um, you know, had they beaten Chicago or had Pronger not lost an eye almost or, you know, all the other things that have gone wrong in Jure's tenure, like, you know, some of the front office decisions and all that. But at the end of the day, it was the best possible farewell. And, uh, you know, it, it was nice that the fans showed up and I forget who remarked, it might have been Charlie, who who said, you know, after hearing Farabee's comments about, you know, this was the loudest he's ever heard Wells Fargo, like, and most packed and all that stuff. And you think about it, it's because of, like, obviously COVID and stuff, but the Flyers have sucked. And there hasn't been something that has been that emotional, um, like that intense playoff series in a Farabee lifetime, you know, but it felt like a playoff game. And, uh, you know, there was Predator fans in the building. And, of course, they, you know, out of respect, were were pretty great fans and, you know, were cheering hard and really into it and, you know, gave, you know, Flyers fans the opportunity to give it right back to them. And, um, you know, the Predators were Myers playing hard. scoring in his return, which was obviously the most important story on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and then he got put yeah, on it was two great. Days later. <laughs> it was it was um, it was great. I I you couldn't ask for anything better. And and obviously the the cherry on top is now he's going to the Panthers. I can buy NHL twenty two, load up the new rosters, and start like a fantasy fantasy mode, um, and have like the best team imaginable without doing anything or even having to imagine um i can't wait to get a claude Giroux jersey it, it, it's by the time you listen to this it really party, hasn't may have already gotten the jersey it really hasn't sank in yet um you know just what this is going to be like to see you know one of my all-time favorite players in claude Giroux line up with our with another one of my all-time favorite players and Sasha Barkov and have Huberto on on another line and sometimes on that line. I it just I I I don't know. I wish you know I had a a, a VCR so I could like record these on VHS and like keep these forever. Or like there's I, there's like a way I could like get digital copies of this every one of these games because like we don't know how long we're have Giroux. There you know maybe they do so well and Claude Giroux loves it here and they figure out some Bill Zito's a, a, a wizard so they figure out some way to keep him here who knows but it, it might just be a limited time thing so I I just want to cherish every second of it I will make and I hope they wear the retro I hope they wear the reverse retro as much as possible because like again I want to cherish every moment of this and remember uh, you know him and the leaping cat and just it's fantastic. It's it's everything I've ever wanted. I've, I mean, 
I don't want to make this seem like this uh, this should be called like why cocky or something, but I I've been calling this for months. I've been w waiting for this and not trying to, you know. But I knew that this was, you know, everyone said like, I, you know, they're not just going to take, you know, a low offer. He's not going to come here. He'll go somewhere else. You know, for so long people were were throwing out all the other teams as options. You know, the Rangers have more prospects in cap space and and yada yada. Uh, and all this stuff but you know i kept saying it makes too much sense you think about you know the location the proximity for his family you think about how he's had keith yandel in his ear talking about probably how great it is to live there and how great barkov is to play with and, and you know he's he has some friends on the team you know gudis is there uh Bobrovsky's there um i don't know if hogs his friend but Hogs there now, Robert Hogg, Hag, whatever, uh, you know, he's he'll be there uh, in whatever capacity that is. But you know, it's it, it just made too much sense. Florida needed a power play threat. He's a guy who come in and direct power play one. Perfect. Uh, you know, they need a faceoff guy. He's like absurdly good at defensive zone draws where you have to put your stick on the ice second. Um, or first or whatever it is. Uh, and he's like 60% and no one comes close on those types of draws. And, you know, he's the only righty in the top nine that, that that's pretty important in some things like the power play or face offs. And, uh, it, it legitimately you know, did not occur to me that the entire top nine with the Panthers other than Giroux were left-handed until somebody pointed out two days ago. I mean, it, it's something that you don't think about because they've made it. I mean, when Tippett was there, they, obviously they had a righty. Um, but without Tippett, you know, it was the same thing. I, I can't remember what Mammon is, but maybe he's a righty. I think he is, oh, but I, I, I don't pay attention to Ooh, handedness as much. going down well. It is definitely going down well. I don't pay attention much to handedness. Yingling, Yingling and grilled cheese. So, like, I've wanted this for so long, and I believed in it, and I was doing everything. I mean, like, I was making grilled cheese on Saturday. I, ever since the 1,000th game, I was wearing Flyers gear, and I was just believing that they were going to do the right thing by him and, and just at the end of the day make it happen. Um, obviously, because I already trusted Zito to make it happen and land the plane. Um, but... So I've just been, you know, oh, this has just been fantastic. It, it is quite. What, what more can you say? I well, there's a lot more we're going to say <laughs> because Travis Dermott has been traded to the Canucks. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that did happen, but it's not particularly relevant. Although the Wait, Leafs are well, where has he been traded? Travis Dermott's been traded to Vancouver. They got to fill the the giant gaping hole left by Travis Hamonic. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon, so trades are literally going down as we record this podcast, and we'll probably do something when the whole trade deadline Good. is done. But uh, good for Dermot. Good. Well, it's good that they do well by him, and he, he will, he will, be a hockey player in Vancouver. Anyway, uh, so you will hear us interrupt our train of thought while yeah. other trades happen. But, but, but uh, back there, to Giroux and the power play. I mean, I think when you when you look at how hard it is for teams to advance far in the playoffs with a stagnant power play or an inconsistent power play, anemic, whatever you want to call it. Florida Panthers power play at times can be lethal, but at other times it can be anemic. It can be stagnant. It can be brutal. Um, and it could be fatal. 
So, you know, getting a guy like Giroux, who at one time was a cheat code and is now just a very wise, mature, first-line, you know, power play threat, shooting and passing. You know, we talked about how they didn't have a right-hand shot on in the top nine. Now they do. That makes their, you know, their power play a lot more lethal because, you know, it does matter. He can set up on the half wall in a spot the Flyers weren't, for whatever reason, using him lately. Uh, too much uh, until Yo took over, I, I believe. Um, but you know, getting him back in that spot uh, and, and you know, working with Huberto, working with, uh, I'm guessing it's going to be Montour, maybe even Barkov up top, probably I running think, the power play. I think you're going to see with, Uyghur with run Ekblad. the power play for the rest of the regular season. I don't I don't know. I mean because That's have, that's my guess. Although, do they use Uyghur that much for the power play? They I mean really they usually didn't. They, they used Montour beforehand. They Montour was the second um guy, although they did use Uyghur last year. They did use him wonder, last year. Uh and they used yeah, him on maybe Friday the, night. maybe they'll go get a, def- a power play special defenseman. Maybe they'll get Yandel back for oh, the rest God. of the year. No. <laughs> no, stop. Stop it. Yeah. Uh I, but what's interesting to me as I think about the power play is well, which of the forwards does he replace? And I think it's probably Anthony Duclair, and that's really unfortunate for, sure. for him. But I don't because... think so because I think it, it allows this uh, it allows Duclair to have a little more time on the a little more um, time with the puck on the second power play unit. That's probably true, and it would help because I don't like the second power play unit that's currently constructed, and they're not going to take Reinhardt out because the dude has become a master of just standing in front of the net and getting tips. Tipping, yeah. So he, he has a so, distinct so, role. so good at that. It is ridiculous how good he is at that. Um, but just in general, I think, just to talk about this trade, and what's so bizarre to me, and I bet it's bizarre to the long-term Panthers fans out there, is you're – looking through Twitter, you're looking through trade deadline rumors, and you're hearing, here's a star that only wants to go to Florida. That has never happened before. How many trades in the past Well, you hear seen? about it after the fact, and I'll tell you why. Only Florida and Philadelphia could, could let allow this to happen, where Comcast's, like, media stench and, like, the uh, the the need to have, like, an intriguing storyline covered the fact that for like the last week and a half, Tippett knew he was a hundred percent going to Philadelphia for Giroux, and Giroux knew he was going to Florida. It was just a matter of, you know. But Comcast and Zach Hill and the Flyers are really good at controlling a narrative and making sure that things happen the way they want. Uh, and you know, the NHL media really wants intriguing draft stories. They're they're losing all their Monday stories already. Um, and you know, it, it really helps, you know, the independent bloggers who have subscriptions, you know, for a team like to, to be being like, yeah, the ads are still in it. You know, maybe St. Louis, you know, we heard St. Louis is, is in it and, you know, they have a very active, uh, media it's really community. Funny. Whether, whether it was the flyers controlling the narrative, knowing that Giroux only wanted to go to Florida or whether it was. The Panthers smoke screening it and saying these other. Teams. I think it's a little bit of in or in non intentional, all of it. You know, like it all kind of adds up to this ability to hide it in smoke and mirrors and make it seem like it was much. You know, but it, if everybody knew a week and a half ago that this was a hundred percent going to happen, 
like I was saying it was, no one would care, you know? Like, they 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 had so many more eyeballs on so many more pages and, and games and, uh, you know, ESPN little segments they do and stuff like that. I, I, I think that makes sense. But, but also, I think what I see about this is not just that he wanted to go to Florida. I think just in general, because I remember Jay Bomeister. I remember Nathan Horton. I remember, and I know a lot of Panthers fans do, all these players who were sunk on bad teams and then controlled their destinations on the way out, and the Panthers never got fair value for the asset, which I hate using because we're talking about human beings, but they never got fair value for these players, and the Flyers did not get fair value for Claude Giroux. We'll get to the trade more in a second. Well, well, yeah, yeah, finish your point. But the idea that Claude Giroux controlled this because he had no move clause and said, the only place I want to go is Florida again up until a couple years ago, was by far the worst team in professional sports. Not even close. It is amazing to think about how quickly this has turned. And I want to get into a discussion later, and we've seen it in some Panthers circles on Twitter, about going for it and what they had to give up to go for it. Because, I, I, and I mean it, this is seriously, this may be the best team you ever see. You have to go for it this year. Even if the East is a murderer's row, you have to go for it. You may never see this team this good again. Now, they could be good for a long time, but there are only so many cracks you get with a group like this, and they may get one more year of a group like this before the cap comes calling in a couple years, but this team is this good, and you've got to take advantage of it when you have it. And so even if I don't like Ben Sherratt, and I don't, this is the kind of trade for Claude Giroux. It's if Claude Giroux wants to come to your team, you do what you can to allow Claude Giroux to come to your team. You don't pass that up. Right. And, and I mean, you can look at what they've given up in the, you know, last year, this year, over the summer. And you can look at like, you know, it's a lot of firsts, it's a lot of seconds, it's a lot of thirds, but I'm not really thrilled with the Sherratt deal either but it's you know it's the guy they wanted it fits the profile of what they were looking for they wanted somebody who was 6364 was a nuisance had a history of being a nuisance against teams that they think have high scoring offense and could maybe you know in that respect of you know Florida's strength of running gun offense match them um you know, you see it with who else they got. They got Lynn Boom, who's, you know, might as well be called Lynn Boom. Um, he's really been trying to prove himself and show he's capable of doing that. Obviously, I think that's, you know, coaching telling him this is what, you know, what we want you to do and how we want you to play. They, they go out and get Robert Hag. Hey, Jeez. I thought it was Haig, but, yeah. you know, like, like where war yeah. crimes are tried. Yeah, um, but I I. I think, you know, they clearly are trying to fill that role and they think that they have enough skill D and they like what Carlson's bringing. Um, and uh, I, 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 I think they have more. Like, I, I would have, I thought they had enough to go for like a Giordano or like a more, a, or maybe a Justin Braun, go back to Philadelphia and, and, and get that, you know, level of a defenseman. Um, and you know, because, and I think they still have enough in the tank to, to do something next year with, you know, they still kept Semoskevich, they still have Denisenko. They're either players for them or they're, 
good. There's still pieces to use. Um, and, I, and, you know, they didn't move any, like, they didn't move Noel. They didn't have to move Heponiemi. They didn't have to move Benning or Gilden or Ludwig or anything. Yeah. Well, in the WHL. Right. Or, like, they still have plenty or, of power. We heard, we heard that Cole Swint, you know, that was a rumor at one point in time, you know, was, was on the block uh, because teams have interest and, and would find that, you know, find them valuable instead of maybe a second or a third. Uh, and, you know, they still have those pieces. Um, you know, w- whether they're grade A or B or C or whatever you want to classify them, that, that's their opinions. But, you know, getting into the Drew return, this is, you know, Chuck Fletcher is the average stereotypical GM, basically, you could say. Like, he is a good example or standard for, for uh, what typically passes as an NHL GM in recent years um and he defined the return he wanted in the media publicly as the best young prospect the team has that's that can help him next year on the nhl roster and a first round pick and something else so he got Tippett is that player for the panthers you could argue that maybe it's denisenko but i mean if you're looking at it Owen Tippett has had good NHL games where he scored goals, he's thrown his body around, he's been fast on the ice, he's been engaged, and that's kind of what the Flyers are looking for. Somebody can do that next year. Um, and so it makes sense. And then they get the best first that was available. Yeah, the Flyers were ticked off that they've moved the 2023 20, first to Montreal, but... Zito kind of knew that they would just have to accept the 2024th. Um, and that was just, you know, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles, so to speak. Um, and in the end of the day, Philadelphia had to take it, you know, because they they said that they won a first. So there you have your – so then the whole, you know, couple days they are arguing on what was going to be the second piece. And maybe it was the fifth rounder or a lower prospect or something – and Philadelphia argued up to the third because, you know, they weren't happy with taking a later first. And that's what we spent a whole, like, day and a half probably waiting for. Yeah, some of the, some of the rhetoric we were seeing out of, you know, oh, the package is is good, but it's not as good as what these other teams offered. Yeah. I'm not I sure paid. these other teams even offered because I'm not sure the Flyers yeah. could even and, listen. And listen, I'm, I'm glad Zito has the job and, you know, made sure that he literally paid the very least amount he could have without probably making Fletcher break all ties with the team and him. <laughs> because he basically, you know, put Fletcher's back up against the wall all the well, way to the end. That's what you have to do. That's what being a general manager and, in the NHL is about. Yeah. Y- you have to get someone when they're down. It's cold business. And yeah, I would have paid one. I would have paid more just to make sure I got Claude Giroux and everything uh, and just make sure Giroux well, didn't have to the, wait. It makes the totality of the trade seem a lot funnier once you yeah. get through all of it and uh, and uh, we'll talk yeah. about their other trades in a second. But you know, say- and then but you know, ultimately, I think Fletcher Fletcher can say he got what he asked for he can argue he got what he asked for he got the best possible prospect that's nhl ready for the panthers true he got the best first round pick that was available by the panthers true and he got they didn't have many seconds left you know he got a third that's pretty good for 
literally the Claude Drew saying for weeks now, it's it's Florida. I want Florida. Send me to Florida. Don't do this to me. Come on, let me go to Florida. What are you, what are you going to do? I, yeah, you don't have much of a choice. A, and a I third think, isn't that bad, you know? It, it's, it's draft picks, but I, I think for, for my perspective, like, again, it's really funny when you consider the trade returns for Sherratt and for Giroux, and I understand they're very different circumstances because Giroux had a no-move. It was yeah. only one And you place. can make the same thing with Hagel and stuff, you know? Like, uh, oh, that's, you a know. Different, that's a different trade because he had two but I, you still, I've, you, I've still seen – Tampa Bay fans talking about it, you know, Chicago fans, in, you know, on both sides, like saying like, hey, that was, isn't that so funny? Or, you know, that was a lot. I can't believe we paid that much for Hagel, you know, or vice it, versa. I can't believe we and, didn't and get also, that much And also, you consider the price for Hampus Lindholm, who did sign an extension, but like, it, it, yeah. the prices are higher than we would expect, and yet the Panthers got arguably because, the best guy on the market because he only wanted to go to Florida. Because ultimately... Preference matters more in defensemen than forwards. Most people agree on who's the better forward most of the time. I mean, it's, it's you know, especially in the industry, I think it's a lot easier for, for pro scouts, for amateur scouting, for, you know, for coaching and stuff to when you're developing prospects to figure out quickly who's going to be the forward to more likely make it versus a defenseman, you know, who fits on a line and, and team midseason better. So when you like the team, like the Panthers who probably have a analytical profile they're looking for this guy fit it. Um, and here's, you know, they here's were... what I want to bring up on that because you bring up a very good point because when you look at public stuff on Ben Sherratt, you look at Jay fresh, you look at what Micah has, Public models are not what private team, what teams have in private, and we know that. Some people who are covering this have access to that proprietary data. We don't. Um, but somebody pointed up, and I, and I agree with this, like, it's possible that what they were looking for just doesn't grade out well in public metrics. And Bill Zito told a story about, you know, Sonny Mehta, who is their analytics guy, working with Paul Fenton and uh, Rick Dudley on whatever it is they have questions about. And so whatever it is their process, they got to what they wanted in Sherratt, even if I wouldn't have done that personally. I don't like Ben Sherratt. And while I think a lot of what's happened with him as a player is he's played on the worst team in the league this year, and the Panthers have rescued players from bad teams and turned them into whatever the best version of themselves right. is. Like, that's what you're hoping for with Sherratt. And that's not what Part- you need. That's not what you need to do with Giroux. You yeah. know exactly what you're going to get with him. Because you know where he's going to play, and, and you know what he's capable of. His value, player like that. His value is how much you're willing to pay for him, and depending on like if this was where they could get the coaching staff, the, the analytical department, and the front office, and everybody aligned on this is the best relative value. Like we don't want to spend this much on Lindholm because he's only going to go somewhere where he can resign. We can't resign him. You know, there's a lot. They're they're balancing all those different. Con- contextual you know data points uh and, and coming up with who is the best one on the list and if there's a big drop off between the first and the second maybe it's worth it to overpay the first to make sure you don't get your second when you already know you're getting Giroux. yeah and there's also the idea and i think bill zito kind of knows this and i said it off the top this team is as good as it's possibly ever going to be you could be good for a long time but you might never be this 
quite this good. Yeah. You know, this this destroyer of worlds. It'll be good, good next year. I mean, they'll figure out a way to still be good and competitive next year, and you'll never know when once you get in and yada yada yada. But this year, they're like one of three or four teams that people are like, yeah, I'm putting money on this team to win the cup. That's, and I still find that hilarious because they haven't won a playoff series you, yet. We, Until they do that, I'm going to be skeptical. Well, like, the maybe ten percent of like the you know the whole tank and build through the drafts and all that stuff that take five to seven years to actually come out and turn to fruition. Maybe ten percent of them actually make you into like a somewhat contender. Not many of them actually end up with a cup. So to go for it, you know, you only get one or two years to do it. And this is this is it. This is definitely the time. Zito showed it. And, you know, that's why it's okay. You know, you, all right, you overpaid for, a, you know, the defenseman you like, but you got a free one from Europe that you're pretty happy with, I would say. I mean, he's not anything great, but, you know, for what he is, he's happy. You've gotten Forsling for free. You've gotten Carlson for pretty much free you know, unwanted pieces and clearing a contract um, from Chicago. For a third round pick and he worked out pretty well for what they wanted. You yeah. Know, they I mean, and, for free. and, and like, I was saying, and I was worried about Montour. I was saying, you know, he doesn't rate well by my metrics and everything. Well, he, he, they, they, they clearly had a plan for him because, you know, it, now they pretty much have a lot of D who play like him attacking downhill and they have, you know, him and Nudavara for a while were, you know, kind of setting the example for the D to keep up so other D could keep up with Uyghur and Ekblad. And, you know, they got the best version of Brandon Montour nice. they could possibly get. And that's and that's all yeah. that you could ask for. And that's so, what I'm saying. You want to get the best version of Ben Sherratt you could possibly get in the playoff. Yeah. The regular season is functionally meaningless. And we're going to I'm going to talk about my point about why I say that in just a little bit. But it to me, they the, what the Panthers' secret sauce is, and there was a lot of discussion. I was listening to the PDO cast with our friend Jack Hahn and, and Dimitri, like what makes the Panthers good. And I've always talked about how you know the Panthers have been really good at finding players under Bill Zito and company and putting them in roles that exactly fit their skill sets and allowing them to thrive, especially for players that yeah. you know may have been asked too much of in previous destinations, and. You know, you, I've been higher on Radko Gudis than you have, but Radko Gudis is doing the best Radko Gudis he could possibly do in Florida. You know, you could argue yeah. whether another defenseman would provide a better version of that, which is fair, but you're getting the best Radko Gudis you could possibly get. You're getting the best yeah. that Forsling and Montour can give you, and with the forwards, you're getting that too. And that's why they are doing so well, and all of these players are fitting in in the roles in which they've been asked to fit in. And in, not more than that. And that's why... In, in what is considered a prime or the end of their prime years. Yeah. And it's it, it makes this, this work in that way. And they're playing a system that allows these players to thrive in what they do. They're not asking them to do more than they are capable of. And I think that, you know, and this system, while it is intense and while, you know, it is crazy offensively, you know, again, Sam Reinhardt's having a great year. He's He's been... I mean, I don't know if I expected more, but I don't think I expected less. Like, he's been great, and he's doing exactly what I, I would have hoped that he would do. And the thing about this team, with the scariest top nine perhaps the post-cap league has ever seen, is 
They don't need to do anything more than what they already have because if the top line has an off night, then Huberto, Duclair, and Bennett might show up. And if that's not uh, working, then here comes uh, Reinhardt, Marchman, and Lundell. So it looks like uh, Mark Giordano... To the Leafs, to, yeah, I know. To the Leafs. Yes, I have Leafs. seen that. Like, here, here's my oh. opinion. on. Let's, let's get back to what I was talking about previously, which is the regular season at this point is functionally meaningless now. And what do I mean by that? I mean, the Panthers came in to today. They don't play again until Thursday. They came in with 90 points. Like, they are already, you know, destroying people. And they have been, even after a rough road trip. Tampa lost, you know, they're six points back. Toronto's seven points back. They've played the same amount of games. Boston's nine points back. They've played the same amount of games. You know, they're a little bit ahead of Carolina right now. They've played one fewer game. Here's what I meant by the regular season being meaningless. Even if the Panthers win the division, you're going to have to probably play Boston. Maybe you play Toronto. Maybe you play Washington. You're going to have to beat good teams regardless. And to get to the Stanley Cup final, you're going to have to beat three of them. So, to me, where they finish, it doesn't honestly matter all that much. I said that last year with Tampa. Like, unless you won the division and you're playing Nashville, who's visibly lesser than Carolina and Tampa, you're going to have to beat them anyway. And so, for me, and this also goes back to Aaron Ekblad's injury, too. The rest of the regular season is about making sure everybody fits in in their prescribed roles and they are ready for May 2nd or May 3rd when the playoff series start. Because it doesn't matter who they're going to play. They are going to give the Panthers a run for their money regardless, even if this team has the best top nine in the cap era. That's just how this is. The East is really good. Toronto's really good. They're going to add Mark Giordano, and he's going to make them better. The Bruins now have Hampus Lindholm. He's made them better. Tampa's Tampa. You know exactly what you're getting out of the Lightning, and... They've done this a bunch. You know, even Washington, a team that has had myriad of playoff failures, Alex Ovechkin goes on a heater, what are you going to do? Like, this is going to be hard. So to me, everything in the rest of the regular season is about getting everybody to fit in exactly where Andrew Burnett and company feels that they fit in best. And in the case of Aaron Ekblad, with the regular season, the rest of it being functionally meaningless, you don't need to rush him back, which is why they put him on LTIR. Because he matters on May the 2nd. Aaron Ekblad will be necessary for the Florida Panthers to win the Stanley Cup. He is not necessary for them to get a good matchup in the first round. And that is the calculus that they have made, and I agree with it 100%. When I heard that Ekblad's injury was not, like, season-ending serious, my first thought was, put him in cotton wool, rest of the regular season, I don't need to see you, get healthy, I'll see you game one. That's all they need because... They know they can win in the regular season with Weger and Forsling carrying the load, and now they have Sherratt, and they've got all these guys they can rotate in. That's fine. They need Aaron Ekblad in the playoffs because last year they proved, no matter how good Weger and Forsling are, and they've been very good, they need a little more in the playoffs, and that's where Ekblad's going to matter the most, and he has to be as his absolute healthiest. I also am advocating for, even if guys got bumps and bruises, they got enough dudes now in terms of depth that they could do load management if they need to. And they're playing some bad teams down the stretch. They've got three games against Montreal. They've got games against Buffalo left. They've got games against, you know, Ottawa left. Like, they can do load management. I'm not sure they will, but they can if they need to to make sure everybody's ready for game one against whoever it is they're playing. And that is what, to me, is now what... I said this in November, that the rest of the regular season was functionally meaningless because we knew what was going to happen and we knew where this was going to end. Well, I didn't yeah. think it was necessary I mean, to it, end with them being where they are, but 
now it is even more imperative to make sure that everybody's in the roles that they need to be in. And if they've got some nicks and bumps and bruises, you rest them if you have to. The regular season results the rest of the way, especially if other teams keep losing, don't matter very much. You're going to have to beat good teams regardless. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, I just can't wait to watch it all happen. 24th, right? Next game? Yep. That's going to be a very interesting day of sports. For uh, I, I've got March it, Madness. You've got a U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifier to Azteca, which I'm already very nervous about. And the Panthers then playing the Canadians, which is going to be obviously a lot of fun because you're going to get to watch this. Toronto after that, which is going to be a lot Toronto, of fun. And, and the Toronto game on Sunday takes place at the same time as a U.S. World Cup qualifier, which is really not great scheduling because I'd like to watch them both and give them my full undivided attention, but I can't. Although that yeah. means the Panthers might get the short end because the other game is more important. But I, I want to – Colby, point... uh, real yes. quick, Colby, Colby Guy was saying yes. that the plan is some of Ekblad's LTIR space, they would like to trade – and be a broker or, you know, a part of a trade with two other teams and get some assets from some draft picks back. Yes. Uh, I, I want to shout out Colby, how by do you... the way. He's doing a good job on the beat with George, and that's always good to see yep. you like that. Um, yep, yep. But I, I think that that's an added benefit of putting Ekblad on LTIR. It wasn't obviously what they planned on doing, but it added an extra, you know, it, incentive because they do want to – What do you think about – Using that versus using, you know, instead of getting Ha getting a different type of defenseman. To me, I think, honestly, when we're talking about defensemen, it's deck chairs, which I'm not saying it's deck chairs on the Titanic. I'm saying it's deck chairs as in, like, it's just, they're interchangeable. Now, for my view, what is the top six going to look like for game one? The pairings are what they are, but what is the top six going to be? It's going to be Ekblad Uyghur, it's going to be Forsling and, um, and Sherratt, and it's going to be Montour and Gudis. Those are going to be the six if they're all healthy. Injuries aside, those are going to be the six. You can quibble on whether you want Lucas Carlson in for a game. If they're going to play a game that is more, you know, they need to be more defensive, they can take Montour out and they can put in Lynn Bomer, Haig. It doesn't matter in the playoffs. You can have a Black Aces squad as large as you want. To me... It's just guys to help you out through the rest of the regular season and bodies who are going to help, or guys like, hey, who could be good in the room, what have you. And to me, I think that that, in the end, when you know if they've got those six, those are the guys that they're going to play if they have to play them. They're probably not going to want to do a ton of rotation of defensemen, again, unless they have to. I think that's why, like, getting Hague, it doesn't matter because who else is going to crack their top six that would be better than the six they have? I don't really think it would have been out there for a price that was, you know, reasonable, especially after what you did in trading for, um, in trading for <laughs> Sherratt. Maybe a little different yeah. with the forwards, but that's just how I view it. Haig's a yeah. guy they, they need as a body as they go through the rest of the way because they know the, the checkers are going to have to still play games. So they don't necessarily uh, want to call up guys from Charlotte. I think, I think to me, Justin Braun, I mean, I, I, I would have rather Braun than Haig. But again, when we're talking about a guy that's probably seventh, Maybe maybe yeah. eighth if you're considering Carlson's going to play ahead of him. You know that that's basically where I fall on this, and that's why I'm saying like they already went and got their big dude, which was Sharon. Yeah. After that, it's no, all it's, it's all it's all it's fun, So, who do you, how do you think they're going to? What do you think they can get back for it? 
do you have any wild guesses on how they're so going to use it? I, I mean, think that this end, what, here's where I think who's this a big out. money person that's going to go or get I, traded? I don't know. We don't happen. know. I, I think they're going to, again, the idea, like, they didn't know they were going to do this until Aaron Ekblad got hurt. They realized, oh, we, this is the added benefit of having LTI. The other thing I think they're going to do is I think they're going to trade Noel Achari because the rumor is uh, out there that they want to find him another home, kind of like Frank Petrano. Because the other thing for Achari that sucks and I think he's played well since he's come back from, you know, from his injury, is he's not in the top 12 either. You know, yeah. we've already talked about the top nine. They don't want to go away from Lomberg, Losterainen, and Hornquist, and they're going to play Joe Thornton in some games, obviously. Pers yeah, personally for me, I I hate to say it, but Noel, Charlie, Charlie, suck it up. We're paying you one – we've been overpaying you for how long and, and I, dealing I don't, with I don't view it like that. You know, I view it like, as, you know, you're a loyal servant. You've done what you can. You know as but well he's, as the rest of us that he's you're not the perfect. Play. He's the perfect guy who can come in and on injuries. When the Australian moves up, you know, he can come in, be a center. He can be a wing. He can play a third line in the game and, you know, for a couple shifts if need be. You know, like he's he's a guy who can just show up. He's a professional. He knows what to do. He knows not to be too big for the moment and just do his little part, contribute, get off the ice. And, uh, you know, he's a leader. He's well-respected in the room. He's a familiar fit. I, I wish, I wish, you know, they can keep him. Uh, if it's a cap issue, I can see obviously why he needs to be moved. I thought, you know, if they're talking about, taking on cap for a couple draft picks that they might be able to keep Achari. Um, but I yeah, if he's, if he's right privately asked, if he's asked for a trade, I, I guess you kind of have to, I but think hopefully he right hasn't. Him and I think it's, it also, they can recoup a draft pick for him. And I think when everybody's talked about, Oh, they've given up all their, how, picks, how good oh, would traded. it have? What, how good would the draft pick have to be to me? It has to be got, a third or better. I, I think that they'd be settling for like a fourth. I, they got a fourth for Vitrano, who adds a little bit more offensively. I mean, Nick Delorier went for a third-round pick, which is preposterous to me, but like, and Atari is way better. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would be okay with the third, but I don't think you're going to get that. I think it's one of those things that you do right by a player if you know he's not going to play, and you know he's not going to play a ton in the playoffs. Because, again, if everybody's healthy – but you're, you're you're hopefully playing four series. Somewhat, there's going to be one or two injuries to the forwards, which means if he's in the top 14, you got to keep him. That's my. Is he in the top 14? Is he outside the top 14? See, I I think you know. Is he, he, I think he 16? Would be the, is he 17? See, the other thing that I think, like, you're not wrong about that. And I'm saying I thought that they were going to have to trade Achari, uh, before what happened, obviously with Eckler. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Now, yeah. So hopefully so they maybe can... this is an added benefit. The other thing I think that's going to happen, obviously, is um, the checkers are I think likely going to make the playoffs in the. I don't know how it works. I think it's top four in each division, yeah. and they're in good shape right now. You know, they have 72 points. Yeah. Um, and they just got them two bodies. They just got them two well, bodies. Well, I want to get to. I want to add. I want to talk about that because they didn't play. I mean, maybe it was the trade. It was too quick, but they didn't play today. I I think what is happening with the with the checkers also. Because if the checkers are in the playoffs, they're not going to be able to do necessarily Hepo Niemi and Denisenko and call them up readily. So if that's what's happening, and of course we also know, as I look at the Panthers' salary cap page, they've got 14 forwards on the roster right now. Um, they are going to have Lomberg come back, obviously, when he's healthy. So, you know, and that includes, you know, Mammon, who they can't send down anymore. He's not on a one—he's— he, 
to play too many games for two-way. So, I mean, I, I, I think they may end up keeping him, but we'll have to see. It's, a, it's an open question. Um, but if they can also do right by him, they might do right by him. Because I do think they want to recoup draft picks. The other point I want to make with with Bunneman and Rubsoff, I know you like Rubsoff a lot. I don't think he's going to amount to much. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I, I like him. He's he's kind of like uh, a guy who I really liked in his draft year, and he had a lot of promise. It was about, you know, can he score in North America? And before he really could and develop those offensive skills, he had dealt with a bunch of injuries, yo-yoing, you know, around um, – you know, between being healthy, not healthy, playing, you know, and then obviously with the pandemic, you're losing time too in games there. So, you know, I think he's probably just a guy in the AHL, but, you know, I think, I think once upon a time, he could have been a Luol Strainen type player, um, but it, it just, you know, with injuries, it just never materialized. Okay. So it looks like the, Trade for Seattle, it's going to be Giordano and Colin Blackwell, who's a depth forward, for two second rounders, and there's a third rounder in there. So, you know, it is what it is for that trade. But uh, my point on Rubsoff and Bunneman that I saw, they weren't in uh, the lineup today for Charlotte. It seems possible that they're going to get back, loaned back to Lehigh Valley because the Panthers also have the co-arrangement with the Kraken, who have guys. Now, that might change because the Kraken are going to have to call up dudes as they've traded a lot of them away. But I think they might end up being at Lehigh Valley the rest of the year. Bunneman's got um, a $750,000 contract for next year, and that's one way. So I think the Panthers are just eating it uh, next season in the AHL. Like, they're both AHL bodies, and they're going to need them next year when they have their own AHL affiliate for the first time in three years. So I, I think that's what's happening, but I'm not entirely sure that's what I saw. Somebody speculate, and it makes sense considering – how the uh, how the Kraken and Panthers have their co-arrangement with the, with the Checkers. They're both AHL bodies at this point. They're not going to be in front of any of the other guys who are like you know the guys. But they're also they're also guys who I mean from going to a few Phantom games and seeing them play at the AHL level. They're guys who I don't mind on Charlotte. Like you know you're going to need those if they're going to be guys anyway. They might as well be guys they don't mind watching play hockey. That's that's definitely not the wrong opinion about that. Um, so that's that's I think the most that we could put into all of this. I I want to say first we do want to get to Owen Tippett and just talking about him as a player for the Flyers fans that are listening to this because we've talked about Owen Tippett in a Panthers context for years and I know you weren't a huge fan of uh, him when the Panthers drafted him, but in terms of he played today, we we should talk about what we think he could be long term for the Flyers and. We know he's got a great shot. That's obvious. We know that he has the skill. Um, it never worked in Florida, and I he's played well at the AHL level when he's played there. I think he's too good for the AHL. The question is, what is he in the NHL, and what would he be for the Flyers? I think that's a question you might better answer than me, but because I, I, I always liked Tippett, but every time it looked like he was catching on, somebody caught on faster and harder. Like, again, guys like, you know, Vitrano had more goals than him this year. You know, Losterainen had more goals than him this year. You know, Mason Marshman obviously caught fire. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think that's Losterainen kind of and happened. him are in the same draft class, and he has more. I'm pretty sure he has, like, as many or more goals than him total in his career. And, and Losterain is a fourth-line center. And, like, that's just what's happened. And I think 
it's one of those things where it's just like throwing Tippett. It just it became pretty obvious very clearly it was never going to work out in Florida, and yeah. you got to do right by a guy. And like, and the same I thing with Borgstrom too. Like it was very obvious it was never going to work out for him in Florida. So you have to do right by him now. He has really struggled in Chicago. I hope for Owen Tippett's sake it's not that much of a struggle in Philly. Part of it, I also think, is because the Panthers... I wish they did right by some of these players by developing them right. This is true, and that's what I'm saying. I was about to say, I think the Panthers' development model before Bill Zito and company took over was a little busted. So some of that stunted development is also part of the equation that we're talking about here. I think Owen Tippett has top six upside if he could put it all together reasonably. What do I think he's going to be? I think he's going to be Frank Petrano. Like, that's not a bad NHL career to have, and Frank Petrano's a good National Hockey League player, but it's not what you necessarily want out of the 10th overall pick in the draft. But, like, that's just – that. If from where I sit and what I've seen, that's what I think Owen Tippett's ceiling is. I think in a better team with the right guys around him and the right role, and now he's going to be consistently an NHL player, which he was not in Florida because they had too many dudes. I think maybe he can he – can, forward and kick on a little bit and I think he's going to be a part of whatever they try to do next year because it's clear when you're going after Owen Tippett is you want a guy that's going to help them turn around and compete immediately which I think the Flyers should not be doing but that's neither here nor there well I I don't know if Tippett's that I think Tippett's a guy who kind of can give you both you know future promise but also like yeah he's a top nine guy in the NHL which yeah he is but is he is he kind of like a a grindy third line guy who will hit and block shots and you know skate around fast and I don't you know, think that's what you want score. Owen Tippett to do, not with a shot. But I mean, like you know, eventually at some point, if he doesn't work out in the top six, that's what he's going to have to become to keep an NHL job. Because you know, at a certain point, you know, he will stop getting top six opportunities if he doesn't score with that skill set. This is true, and and I said, like, in Florida, I don't think we were going to get the answer to that question. I didn't think, and then in Philly, we're going to yeah. get the answer to that question. Yeah, like, and that, Philadelphia is more, and I think, you know, Philadelphia is more prepared for that. I mean, they have, they're, like, some of the guys they put on waivers, they've been playing a lot recently, and they're I mean, garbage. Jerry Mayhew so. got claimed on waivers. And I by mean, who? but, but yeah, By Anaheim. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, So when I look at that team, you know, next year for the Flyers and I look at, you know, obviously a lot of trades could happen, you know, from now until then. But they're going to have Couturier back. They're going to have Lawton back. You know, a lot of these guys aren't necessarily going to go anywhere. So Tippett could play a role. You know, you hope he's a little more than, I guess, Morgan Frost. But, you know, like they're going to have guys who can, you know, maybe do that. We'll see. Um, And they're going to try to backfill that roster a little bit more. But, like, I hope he succeeds. Like, I'm not rooting for him to fail. None of us none of us are. You know, I, I want to see what he can do. The problem is, again, in Florida, he got squeezed because the team was too good. In Philly, you've got to see if he kicks on. And the good news for him is he's going to have an opportunity to do that because the Flyers, obviously, the rest of the year are playing out the string. And next year, I figure he's going to play a pretty prominent role in what they're trying to do. And we'll see if they hire a new coach. They should. Mike Yo is bad. We'll see what else they add to this mix. But... I, 
I, I'm not confident in whatever they're doing. Uh, I, I, and and, it, and it I hurts. I don't blame you in the slightest because they. I have no confidence in what they're doing either. When you see what a team like, you know, a lot of teams are trying <sighs> some creative things and some. I wouldn't call it necessarily out of the box, but some smart ideas, some some things that could kick on. And the flaw, and Chuck Fletcher feels like it's still 2010 and it's not anymore. But the the biggest question is. And it was to start the year, you know, who are going to be the centers? Like you, you got Kevin Hayes is now your your first line center because Couturier is injured. But when you come back, you have Couturier, you have Hayes. Uh, and Lawton. Yeah, but he's still a better wing. But, I mean, you kind of are forcing him under center now. Uh, you know, but they need a center prospect. They need to go out and get a, I think, a big time center prospect. So, you know, hopefully it's Shane Wright or, you know, Logan Cooley or whoever they want it to be um, in the draft this year. And let's also go into, I think, just from a Panthers perspective, I know we ping pong around a little bit when we talk about these things, but for the Panthers, I mean, yeah, not having a first round draft pick for three years kind of is annoying and the drafts are going to be good, but the question I would say to those people who are skeptical about that is, do you trust Bill Zito and company, based on their track record, to be able to find players who can add that depth to a prospect system and keep you, you know, in line when you need them either for to backfill your roster or you need them as trade chips at the trade deadline? Do you trust them to be able to do that even if they don't have first-round picks? And I think the evidence that we have suggests the answer is yes because yeah, they got but, Matt Guzda for free. You know, and he's, you know, you're now your top-rated goalie prospect in the organization. The guy that was the top prospect whoa, they whoa, traded. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not, he's, he's second. Well, I, I, I'm considering, okay, okay, fine. For your purposes, yes. Kirill Gersimnuk is yes. the top, well, okay, for, for sure. Your purposes. For sure. But my, my, my point is they got a guy on a different um, developmental timeline that they got for free. They got Matt yeah. Kirstead last year for free. They got who stinks. I mean, he's not very good, but they signed. He's a top now he's now their eleventh defenseman. So I think I think the amount of defensemen they've added since he's been here. I, I understand that, but let's pretty telltale I mean, of how good he is at hockey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but let's just say that they got. I don't him think he can sell him though, because I mean, he's a he's like in his mid twenties and he's barely played in the NHL. When he does, it's been okay. I mean, like. The Devils can't sell Will Butcher. How are you going to sell this guy? You well, know? okay, but I mean, but but let's. But can you find guys like that that have some pedigree and promise without first round draft picks, <laughs> without high draft capital? The guy they traded. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the guy they traded in the Reinhardt trade was someone they got in the seventh round. Yeah, and I think they. That's. I think that's. That's where they're really going to. I think have to get their most value is, you know, they got a fifth round back from Philadelphia. You know, that's not, they got that for a reason because it's like, all right, that's, you know, that's a lottery ticket and we're hoping we're decent at lottery tickets. Cap space because they know, you know, we, we still need draft picks. And I think the other point is like, they still have plenty of guys in the system. Like they, Denisenko, they didn't get rid of. Yeah. We talked about all the other guys. They didn't have to trade I mean, Sam Miscavige or any of their 2021 yeah, draft picks. Yeah, I mean, looking looking at what they have, I mean, Hepo Niemi, Denisenko, Noel Sordif. Cole Swint's Swint. been playing pretty impressive hockey at the AHL level right now. I mean, now. yeah, he shows he might be a bottom six guy in the NHL. And then Logan Hutsko, I guess, is 
probably going to be one of those guys who's really good in the AHL and like gets a couple call-ups, maybe. And then you hope that Ludwig is actually pretty decent because that's now. I mean, they've got Casper is... Pudio. They've got Casper Pudio as well. Yeah, I mean, and hopefully he's okay. But like, you you have the ability to backfill when necessary by having an organizational model that allows you to find guys even if you don't have premium draft picks or you know the ability to do such things and that's what they're going to have to do in the future when you don't have first round picks and let's be honest i mean when you're trying to win the stanley cup as the tampa bay lightning have said you don't need first round picks and they don't care about first round picks but you are trying to organizationally plan for the future and to me, I understand why you don't want to give up all your first-round picks, but my point here is to say, do you trust Bill Zito and company to get that right without first-round picks? And by the evidence that we have, I don't think they have done a bad job of that. They have no. opportunities to continue to do that, even if you don't have the necessary, you know, you don't have the ability to get the highest-level prospect. You just trust your scouting, and you trust what you have available to you. And can they make that work? I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah. We've got to find out. But again, like, well, think about it. They, this... they, it's not like okay. So they're gonna probably not get that great draft picks for like Hornquist or anything really for Hornquist in the off season. But they, they might. They're probably gonna get a decent amount for Montour. They'll probably if get they, like a second they, and if something. They trade, if they trade them, like they have I the think, opportunity to trade guys. Well, I mean, in the I don't I know what you I know what you would do, but well, no, I mean, I think it's just simple math. If right now with Ekblad on I, LTIR, he has the highest cap hit on defense, but he he's not coming off the third pair. I think they'd more likely re, they'd they'd get rid of his cap so they can re-sign the defenseman they just traded for. It's possible. It, it's possible. I think that there's there are oppor- like because the other the other players that you have on your roster, you're not you can't trade them. Obviously, like they're not going to trade any of those other guys. So I mean, yeah, you know, but I mean, like, I mean, well, yeah, depending, Gudis maybe. Is, like is I possible. think it's possible they could shuffle a little, but I'm even talking about forwards. Like they're all the other forwards are just they're gonna they're gonna be gone. Like the guys they're gonna keep, they're gonna keep them, and the guys they can't keep, they're just not gonna be able yeah. to keep them. But Hornquist, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen next year. But the the point I'm making is, like, they launder cap space, get a draft pick or two, and they make some things happen. Like, again, it's it's the right way to do business if you have the ability to do it. It's found money, and the more draft picks you get in the system, the better. I want to ask you a question, though, because we have now seen uh, the Panthers trade away, obviously, a couple of their 2020 draft, three of them, actually. What does it say to you that two 20 20- 20 Florida Panthers draft picks are now in the Montreal system. And one of them has been traded twice. Uh, I mean, it, you can look at it both ways. You can look at it that there's enough consensus on them that they're wanted by multiple NHL teams. And you can look at it as they aren't anything unique enough. I wouldn't say good or bad. I would say it's, they're not unique enough that teams that, the teams that draft them or trade for them want to keep them, you know? It, so it, it kind of cuts both ways, but I don't think it's about good or bad. It's, it's more probably about they're desirable enough, but not super unique where teams aren't like, okay, we have something else. We have another prospect like this, you know, 
or we we can get another prospect like this next because it's it's interesting to me to see now Smolanik and uh and Heineman in the in the Montreal system as they rebuild like yeah. I don't think they're necessarily the greatest prospects in the world and also it tells you something like Smolanik is the one that they ended up giving up not other guys from 2020 or any well, previous drafts well I mean he's probably He's the best classical center they have in their system. So, and that's probably what Montreal was looking for. I mean, and, and that's why I brought the thing about Fletcher. You know, he he had his definition, and it was parts and the boxes for him to check off. Montreal probably had for this, you know, they wanted probably their favorite center prospect within reason. You know, obviously not Lindell. He's not a prospect anymore. Let's just come what he is part, you know, core NHL player, but he, you know, it's, you know, they don't have any other center. So that's who they, they want it. Um, and he's doing well in, in the NCAA, you know, he shows that he can, you know, do a little bit of everything, you know, he's good at a little, you know, he's good enough at everything at that level for, you know, where he was slotted in the draft. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. I just find it particularly curious that that's what's happened with, and also, with, and with not just these guys, but I also think it's interesting to say that Bill Zito is not married to his prospects, which I think as fans of a sport like hockey, or especially in baseball, you see fans get married to the prospect, right? Because they're part of that hope. Yeah, a you lot know? of a lot of people were like, they could have given up every single prospect in their system for Claude Giroux. I wouldn't have cared because you get Claude Giroux, but people were like upset that like you even in we gave up nothing for Claude Giroux and they were like oh and Tippett sad no well I mean like I'm again, so happy I, think I can't I think, be sad well I know you can't be but I, I just try to go through that process of thinking about you know where do you stand when it comes to prospects and how a fan base I think this is very important we are going as a fan as a fan base just the Florida Panthers fan base and we are obviously fans but we try to cover them as objectively yeah. as we can you know, we want them to win, but watching the Panthers go from a team that was mediocre and needed to have something invested in prospects for that hope, right? That's what yeah. Panthers fans have been trained to do for years, to go to an immediate win-now team. Prospect capital doesn't matter as much when you're yeah. trying to win the Stanley Cup. I well, understand you want to keep your powder dry for the future, but as many people say, banners fly forever. If the Panthers win the Stanley Cup, you're not going to care too much that they gave up Owen Tippett to do it. Yeah, and it, and it completely changes. I mean, the point of the draft is to give teams a protected group of assets. Okay, and so that's what that's that, so it's used in different way by different teams depending on what stage they are. You know, who runs them and what they need it to be. You know, for the Panthers, for the longest time, the draft was how they were getting star talent. That's not what it is anymore. I mean. Yes, in a sense, but but temporarily for like the next two to three years, probably until 2025 draft, the draft is about, you know, protecting the you, the assets that they think are going to be, you know, hard to get. So they're going to try to take some big swings probably on draft, you know, fill some boxes of this is somebody that we think can, you know, be an NHL player for us and and you know fits our our play style and all of this you're not you, you don't have to like over obsess of we need this five t star tool 
you know, stud that's gonna, you know, save our franchise and you You've know. You've got a bunch of them already, and, and they're already here. Yeah, so it's it's more and, just and about can you crank out? Can you you know get the type of get the type of NHL def, NHL players that you want to control and you don't want to have to spend assets to go get because they're either hard to find, hard to acquire, expensive to acquire, hard to resign, or you know there's just something that you're good at doing, so you want to you know capitalize on that because it's it's a pool of aspect of assets and prospects that no one else can touch. So, you know, how do you want to use it? Well, I also think about what teams are really good at contending, even if they have no prospect system to speak of. Pittsburgh's done it for years. Yeah. We all, the Mark Donk jokes, you know, it was a joke <laughs> on Twitter, but it's become a thing. You know, Tampa is, they don't care about first round draft picks either. They do what they do, right? You know, yeah. and, and, and other teams are going to have to, you know, you want to be able to plan for the future, but also win in the present. And there is a balance you have to strike. And I think the Panthers have shown, like, they, they have the ability to strike that balance. And we'll see how good they do because the Stanley Cup playoffs are a lottery and you don't know what's going to happen. But you have to give yourself a chance to win it when you've got those opportunities. And that's why the Penguins have done what they've done for years. The Capitals have done what they've done for years. You know, there are going to be years, you know, when the Panthers aren't quite this and so then you say okay look at what happened with tampa i give this example 2017 you know stamkos is hurt they don't make the playoffs what do they do they traded ben bishop to the kings and what do they get in that trade they got eric chernak who's a guy that is now you know a really important part of what they do right like that's what you have to do sometimes and for the for the penguins you know they i think they're pretty happy with mike matheson even if, you know, we did obviously weren't fans of his. But, like, these are things that sometimes can happen in yeah. this league and in this sport where you make those things happen, and it's how you extend winning windows. And it's what the Panthers are going to have to do, but they don't have to do it, you know, interminably because they've got guys who are still young enough to win. Yeah. And, like, and and again, when you have the chance to win, you got to take it. The future is great. But the future is greater when you already have a Stanley Cup banger hanging in your building. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, you know, this is by far the best Panthers team that's ever existed. And it's going to be, you know, if they are better next year, <laughs> awesome. Thank, you know, amazing. But it's not super likely. And, you know, it's going to be hard in any year in the future to really – have this type of historical offensive production, have a top nine that is a video game top nine, uh, and to have a defense that, you know, with, whether you are 100% eye test or 100% analytics or anywhere in between, there's three to four defensemen that really stand out to you that really, you know, you like and to say, all right, this is a first, this is a second, you know, in the second and the third pair of defensemen, I really like. They fit this mold. They do this really well, and this is what I think a defenseman should do. They kind of, you know, put all of that together. There's Lucas Carlson's. There's Limbaum's that they're bringing in. There's Hags. There's you know, there's Montours. That's a pretty versatile bottom pairing that you can kind of and we split together. That. And again, one team wins the Stanley Cup, and I understand like. 
And here's the other part of the calculus, I think, that's interesting for the Panthers and the Panthers only because of the fact that they're in such a unique situation. Obviously, if they don't win a series, it's going to be really bad, and it's going to suck. But if they don't win the Cup and they make a run, let's say they get to the final and lose to Colorado, or they get to the East final and lose to Carolina, while that would suck considering what they have invested in this season, it is still a run, and the Panthers have not had a run in 26 years. And so, depending on how said run ends, obviously, if it wins the Cup, it's amazing. Um, please, yeah. also, if there is a run, but, I don't need more Steve Goldstein shirtless videos on the timeline. As a man who likes men, yeah. please. No, 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 no. But But the point is, if the Panthers made a run and they didn't win, and they still made a run, depending on what that run looks like, I still think a lot of Panthers fans are, I mean, you're going to be disappointed if they don't win, considering all that they've had. But... If they go on a run, it's still a run that the Panthers haven't had. You know what I mean? And yes. if they lose in the first round, but, God forbid, it's not like Toronto losing in the first round well, again. Well, I, I'm first of all, they better get. Th- if they don't, I'm a no. We're not talking about them not getting well, through. I mean, the first I, again, round. that's if they whatever whatever happens. Yes, and the big thing of optimism about next year is whether they win the cup and they're going for a repeat or. You know, they're trying, they made it to the final, they lost to whoever, whatever. But it, the best way to maximize the team and take them the next step is outside the cap. And I think, you know, I love Bruno as a coach, Burnett as a coach, but I, I think that's an area where you could, you know, really, I don't know who that coach is, but that's an area you can maximize that's outside the cap if they choose to do that. So it's not like they couldn't, they're strapped. They can't make any upgrades anywhere. Um, That would have an impact on the ice Um, and in the playoffs, you know, with matchups or whatever, we'll see how it goes this, but you know, I'm trying to think of a reason that they would get bounced early, you know, or not I mean, do as well in the playoffs. They could run into right? a hot goalie, which can happen. But you know, no, like, it, a hot goalie happen. is not an excuse. You just I know. Tra- I, under, I understand re- you, that. Claude Giroux is, just gave – if it's not a hot goalie, it's cold shooters. It's cold shooters. And, yeah, but, again, injury can't be an excuse with this lineup either to, to not make it to the third round. You know, I look at this lineup – third round this team should be in the third round Bobrovsky should is playing well he should you know they have they're finally giving night games if he if when Bobrovsky's healthy credit to Spencer Knight by the way for having to play all those four games in California because Bobrovsky inadvertently took a puck to the face and you know I I want to talk just I guess just something about the actual games uh because we haven't really done that but well there's not much to say well, there isn't because, be as I said, the regular season's functionally meaningless now. But, but they, I, they, I, they have they still have to play process, you know, play for the process, as in like you know, play the right way, get ready for playoff hockey, stay in a good groove, you know, stay in chemistry. The fact that they've struggled making tape to tape passes, going through the neutral zone and breaking out the puck and stuff, that is concerning. You know, it's whether they win or lose, they need to be doing that because eventually every game is going to matter. And, you know, you don't want to get so laissez-faire that you don't get the right seed in the playoffs. Because uh, like we're saying, it's imp- every, you know, you want to get the home ice 
you want to get the better matchups because it's gonna it, it might matter it'll definitely it, matter it might, more in the east might, than the west it'll well 100 percent will matter more in the east and the west but i think also for me it's just a matter of as i said for the rest of the regular series it's getting everybody embedded into the team getting the little details right because right. again a yeah. large Which amount of this group yeah. yeah it is process stuff and a large amount of this group still haven't won playoff series i mean ben Sherratt has patrick hornquist has and bobrovsky's won one but we're talking Barkoff, Uberdo, and guys like that. Giroux hasn't won one. I mean, he won one in the bubble. I mean, as much as you want to count that. But, like, he's, you know, like, like – He's won playoffs, but not in a – I guess. Yeah, not in a while. And so – but the core of this group hasn't. So, like, you're going to understand, like, there are differences to play out. And they have to play that sort of way. And I think the fact that they play Toronto three times, they have to play Tampa again, they have to play Boston again, is going to help them because they have to play these teams and they will have to play these teams eventually – so I, I, I think that's part of it. I do want to say on Spencer Knight, you know, I, I, I didn't watch as much of the Vegas game uh, as much as I watched the other three. Uh, I think he, he gave up not good goals in, against L.A. and San Jose in the first period, but he fought through it and played much better down the stretch. He didn't have to face anything against Anaheim, and that was largely because Anaheim's bad. But, like, that's the kind of good you want to see from Spencer Knight. You want to make sure that he is ready for the playoffs, he's not going to start game one unless Bobrovsky's still hurt. But you need to make sure he's ready in case he's going to get called upon, and he will get called upon at some point. So you want to make sure he's ready. And you were talking about him getting in a rhythm and playing games and the fact that, you know, after, you know, that stretch in January, February, he went to the AHL, he played a lot of games, he got his chances. And you saw what that was like when he played, you know, NHL minutes again other than against Vegas, like, he, he played pretty well, largely, and that's what you need to see. There needs to be a consistency in how much they use him because, again, you need him ready in case they inevitably need him in the playoffs, and they will, and because you don't have three goalies now, and Andrew Brunette, as obviously, I hope, learned from the experience of the playoff series last year when, we, as we have said, they botched the goaltending, they know when they're going to have to pull Bobrovsky, and at that point, you can't go back. You've, you've got... Once you've made that change, you have to go with yeah. it, and you have to make sure Spencer Knight is ready for that when that happens. And I if really they... did. I, and I and I like seeing him get the shutout. I like seeing him make some of the saves he made on that road trip. I I also want to see him play more down the stretch too. I think you're gonna. It is more important to get Spencer Knight in rhythm than Sergey Bobrovsky in rhythm at this point, because Bobrovsky is going to be what he is when it comes to the playoffs. His health, obviously, you know, notwithstanding. But Spencer Knight getting in rhythm is, is important because when he's not in rhythm, we see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's expected, and that's why I've been saying they needed to keep bouncing him between the AHL and NHL so he's always playing. His butt should not be on pine ever. Like, because you need to develop your prospects, especially your top-tier prospects, how you want them to be in the NHL. If they're a first-line center, they need to be a first-line center, whether that's junior, AHL, you know, at worst, a second-line center who's scoring, who's get, who's relied on to drive play, not, you know, just on the papers, but get the puck and drive it down the ice, you know, create something, win back pucks, you know, make things happen for his teammates. You know, that's what you want from, from those prospects. If it's a goalie, you know, you gotta have him playing. Yeah, He's I mean, play. you, you, the the Rangers didn't bring over Sisterkin and and they sit him down. You know, they left him in Russia into so he could play as much as possible. And then when they were ready to use him, 
They brought him over and then Same they with just played him. Sorokin. Same with Sorokin. Yeah, you know, like that's what you got to do. Like, especially, you know, they need they need to play goalies from the NCAA play less games in the CHL than, you know, Europe. some of the Russian leagues and, you know, other leagues in Europe, in Europe. Um, so, you know, you have to make up for that. Like he, he played, I think he played 29 games last year. That's, that's not enough for somebody you want to be, you know, probably the goal, the starting goalie in two years at the, at the least, two years uh, absolutely. you know and, and I wanna, and I also <laughs> you might be wanna, trying to get out of the Bobrovsky contract uh, over that, the summer that's, but that, that to me is the big I don't think it's it's again it's the problem in a couple years and we don't know what the cap's going to look like in a couple years we'll have to see yeah. but that that's the next big that's why they can definitely compete next year because so the Subaru's still on the good deal and the cap crunch comes after yeah, that and, and that's why you got to maximize what you got well, now uh, yeah. I want to also just as we start to wrap this up a little bit uh, as we yeah, hopefully provided the best analysis on Claude Giroux, <laughs> and Tommy will be soon taking a it picture and making it his Y Hockey. He'll make it the Y Hockey profile picture of him in a Giroux jersey. It's going to happen. But I, I want to just talk about, I think, just what these other teams have done. We obviously, I think we might do something after the rest of the trade deadline is over, or I might. But I want to have your opinion on what the rest of these teams have done because all the teams in the Atlantic have done something. I'm pretty sure the teams in the, in the Metro are going to do something at some point. Uh, we haven't seen it yet as we were recording this. So I'll start with, I know you wanted Hampus Lindholm. He went to Boston. He got the eight-year deal. They gave up a ton to get him, even more than the Panthers gave up for Sherratt. And I like Hampus Lindholm a lot. You know, his numbers haven't been great this year. The Ducks are not a good possession team. But now he's going to Boston, which is maybe the second-best defensive team in the league behind Calgary, or you could quibble and say they're the first-best defensive team. What do you think about you know, going up against, because they might have to play Boston. I don't worry about their offense as much as that defense core is really good and they play a really grinding style. So what do you think about that? Uh, I, I'm fine with it, honestly. I mean, it's not like somebody who's re overly relying on it. This is plan B. This is the insurance. This is backup. This is to make sure if they get into a series and they're in a hole and this is the way it's being played, they have, you know, the material to get it done. And I, I think when we talked about, you know, this is the one year Next year is going to be pretty good too, but it's harder. And then after that, with Huberdo, it's going to get really hard to 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 have this sort of committee, this sort of uh, you know all out all star team. So you why not turn over every stone? Why not focus? your energy on making sure you have every tool in your toolkit. Yeah. I mean, for a rookie coach. Yeah. For Boston's got that too, obviously. Yeah. And I mean, they know, and yeah, yeah and you're right but about you, Burnett, but Boston yeah. has to do this too, because they only, they don't know how many years of Bergeron they have left. Yeah. And, and think about this, you know, Boston, what do they need? Offense. What do they get? Defense Toronto. What do they need? I don't think they needed defense. I mean, like they're probably not going to play Liljegren that much because of the, this D trade. Even though they moved out to Dermot, I still don't think they're going to play Liljegren enough. And and I think that 
more hurtful? Are they, is this going to take ice time away from Sand? And I think they're fine on defense. What they needed was a goalie. They're not getting a goalie. Well, now, you know, like, you. So they when you signed come... Panthers legend Hari Sateri. <laughs> right. They saw Limbaum get, you know, being a decent NHL, and they're like, all right, all right, let's get on the, let's get Again, another the one from the Florida Panthers, ladies and gentlemen, after metal. being the worst team in professional sports for about two decades, are now a trendsetter. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Well, I but look at that. I look at know, that you, line for That Toronto. is a good point. That 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 the other teams that got they, you know, they didn't, you know, at they only added to their strengths. You know, that you could say the Avs and the Panthers at least answered what they needed. You know, the Avs went out. They needed a bottom six center. They got they got one in Sturm. They needed the type of defenseman. They, you know, the, the Panthers were looking for, uh, and they got, you know, a, a medium-priced one, and, and they're happy with it. Someone with experience out West. You know, they answered, they checked the boxes, just like Fletcher had things that he wanted to get, and he was looking for the best possible square to fit in that square hole, uh, and they went out and did it. Uh, whereas a lot of teams, you know, I mean, there's still time. We're, you know, yep. 24 hours or whatever, 22 yeah, hours. Less, less than that. Uh, but, I, I want to make I want to make my point about about Toronto here, and then I want to get to Tampa. Toronto. I mean, if we're asking what do they look like game one of the playoffs, Riley, Brody, Giordano, Muzzin's going to be healthy, Labushin's going to play, and then it's either Sandine or Hall, probably. Like that's pretty good. There's nothing wrong with that. I. I, I think they also are in some ways a Panthers-type team in which de- defense doesn't matter nearly as much as it might on Boston, which is a defense-first team. And I really like that Bruins blue line a lot, but I worry about them offensively. The Leafs, I I know Jack Hahn says that that stuff doesn't matter, you know, the stuff that's in your head about playoff series losses, and I understand why he would say that as a coach and also because he's got friends in that organization, but it weighs on you, and I know it weighs on them. And the hope is when you have a guy like Giordano, maybe not. Like, that team's really good. They're, they're really, really good if they get a save. And, the, like, the thing is, I think they probably tried Flurry, and it didn't work out. And there are no other goalies available that's going to make sense. Like, they, you know, when you don't, you know, to say what you want about Bobrovsky, you know what you're getting with Sergei Bobrovsky. You know, like, if, when you're relying on a guy, a European goalie, to come in and just go on a heater for two games as kind of being your savior... You're just like, I don't, I, I just think this is, it was like they need, they knew they needed to get a goalie to appease fans. And, you know, so they were looking for that guy that they can stash, you know, they can just carry for really cheap and not play and it's not going to complain. And then if there's injuries can be a, a backstop. But yeah, um, but, but I mean, like, I mean they, they went and got Morazic and that, that's clearly not worked. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I mean, that's a this i think they're not, he, he's not going to be expected to even be that um i think he's going to be expected to be under what's it calgren is that swedish Shalgren. goal Shalgren. yeah he you know i think he's going to probably play be expected to play before satiri and um you know I, I, they're going to get jack campbell back and he's going to be their starter then you're probably going to have Shalgren and they'll probably play satiri a couple games to see what happens but you know, like that's yeah. that's just that's 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 the world of goaltending. And as for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who do such a Tampa Bay Lightning thing in trading for Brandon Hagel, I joked on uh, the show with uh, 
uh, Jack Frazier, Jay Fresh, uh, that Fagel actually kind of fits what the Panthers' mold of forward is. They don't need forwards, obviously, but, you know, that's just what the Lightning do. They find their guy, they get their guy, you know, they had to give up two first-rounders, top ten protected, but, you know, and a couple of guys in Kachuk and Radish who are, you know, good, but they didn't crack that lineup a you know, yeah. over Belmar and Maroon and some of those other vets. Yeah, they're more they're the more Barry second Boulay rounders spell. than first rounders. You yeah, know, I I, I thought that Barry Boulay was going to play a lot this year and he hasn't. So like, yeah, but but like hey, like they they're trying to recreate that that third line magic, which you're not going to be able to replicate that obviously because that was you know that was special and it was a really good third line obviously. Yeah. But, <laughs> but they need something because they they haven't looked too great. They haven't, but also like that's. I don't think that's a huge concern because last regular season, I mean, the Panthers beat them up at times and it didn't matter come the playoffs. Yeah. You know, like they're the lightning. Like, you know exactly what they're going to do in the playoffs. You know exactly what's going to happen with them. And, and adding Hagel adds that, you know, that dimension to that team. We like of all the teams in the playoffs, you know, Toronto, you have worries about because they haven't done it before. Colorado hadn't made past the second round. The Panthers haven't won anything. You know, like Pittsburgh and Washington have very recent playoff flameouts on their resume, you know, that are, are concerning, you know, and a lot of these other teams are not proven. Tampa's the one team you know exactly what you're going to get from them. The Islanders are going to be in the playoffs, so you know exactly what you're getting from Tampa the minute they step on the ice in the first round. You know exactly what that's going to be. And so, to me, and it brings me back to, like, who do you want to face or not want to face, and I don't really care. You're going to have to beat a good team. Like, I'd rather the later they have to play Tampa, the better, which is probably the second round. But, you know, like, you know what's – you know what's going to – you have to beat Tampa if you're going to win the Cup. You're going to have to. And you know what Tampa's going to do to you every single night. You know what I mean? Like, that's just – that's what the Tampa Bay Lightning are. And that's just what their thing is. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what that ends up looking like as, as it goes on. But, you know, like – I, I mean, we joked for a, a long time that Vinny Viola and company wanted the Panthers to basically be the Lightning, and they're getting closer. To, they're not the Tampa Bay Lightning yet, but they're getting closer but, to I it. I mean, now the Lightning are reacting, though, because, I mean, they went out and got Hagel and all this stuff because it's like, all right, we, we need to go get a forward that can we, you know, is a cost certain this year, next year on our third line. So we can, you know, because we need three lines to score – to, to compete with Florida this year and next year. And, you know, they're, I, I think, you know, I think it, that matters. I mean, I think oh, that, it absolutely you know, matters. You're, you're a hundred percent right. Same they way, do. you know, cause they already know Toronto has three lines, you know, and, and has that star power. So it's like, all right, if they're going to have it, you know, you know, and Boston's going to stay pretty competitive defensively, we're, we're really going to have to ratchet it up here. Yeah. And if you're playing the, and if you're playing, you know, Carolina, you know, you're going to get depth from everywhere, right? And if you're playing the Rangers, they've got, I mean, they don't have any depth, but like, <laughs> if you're going to beat Shesterkin, you're going to need other I, guys other than your top guys to beat them. I'm, I'm surprised the Rangers haven't done more than they have. Um, you know, maybe they still get Raquel. I thought, Raquel, I thought they made me get more on Hampus Lindholm, but they're the ones that had the, the cap space. They're the ones that kind of have the holes of the 4D spot um they have a goalie they can move in georgiev you know like i thought at some point they'd want to set the pace or the tone in the market um and, and clearly you know drury chris drury is fine waiting and seeing what's happening on monday and stuff i, think I mean it's, i think it's interesting for the rangers because it, it is a very different scenario 
to what Florida, Tampa, Toronto all are doing. Because in many ways, what's happening with the Rangers is kind of like what happened with Florida last year to a different degree. Because it is a found money season. I didn't expect the Rangers to be this good. I mean, Igor should win the the, the vest. Now he's probably going to win the heart. But don't um, you don't you have to take your found money when your star player is Panarin? Your star player is Panarin. Yeah. Old. He's getting old. Well, you, you have know? Adam Fox. You have Mika Zibanejad. You you know you have guys. Here's my here's my thing. Zibanejad isn't. I Zibanejad's still there, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a, still a star. As and Kreider's having a, a found money season. Yeah. Story. So I mean. But, but I, here's my thing with that. We didn't know, and, and they haven't had, obviously, the Ekblad-type injury that the Panthers had last year, but what did the Panthers do on deadline day? They traded for a rental in Montour, and then they surprised everybody by trading for Sam Bennett. So I think the Rangers could be interested in a Sam Bennett-type trade, whatever that looks like, because they know, yeah. okay, we've got to reward our group for being this good. We absolutely have to reward our group for being as good as they've been. We, we absolutely need to do that. But we also can't get rid of all of our futures because we know, okay, this is kind of a found money year. We know our team's got flaws, and they are a very flawed team. You know, that's what I'm, that, you know, that's what I'm thinking, right? And, and that's the kind of thing that I think they have to wrestle with, and that means you're not going out at the top of the market and getting these kinds of players, right? You know, like that is the major difference when you're a, a found money team, unless it's if you're a found money team like the Flames, who have some upcoming questions that they have to answer, and you know how many years of Daryl Sutter greatness are you going to get? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing. I have to say, really, but by, by the way, I love their trade for Yarncroke. I thought that was a really smart trade. And if it's not Colorado in the in the West, unless Vegas gets healthy, like I, the Flames, man, that that team's really good. That team's pretty good. I know you. I know you uh, retweeted something about uh, about. Uh, I think it was Lindholm, Markstrom, and and Yarncroke are all from the same town in Sweden. I know you like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they they talked about you know owning a Swedish hockey team together so they could you know play it you know after they retire from the NHL all play there together. And they decided you know let's just do it a little sooner in the NHL. And, 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 and I, I think that's that I think that's really I think that's pretty cool. Um but like that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking about like in terms of like it's about making a trade when you know what you are like you can do go for it trades and air quotes in different kinds of ways depending on the situation yeah. you're in. And I think that that's for like the Rangers their go for it is a very different kind of trade than obviously what Florida or any of these other teams are doing cuz I think if you caught the Rangers candidly they will probably tell you, hey, unless Igor goes on the heater of all heaters like Jonathan Quick in 2012, I'm not sure we're winning the cup. But we have to at least reward our team and give them a chance to do it because we are this good and it is ahead of schedule for us. You know, we don't know what it's going to look like in the future, although the rest of the Metro division, the way it is shaking out, I wouldn't exactly be entirely scared of it, you know, in, in that, in that yeah. regard. Um is there anything else, like, other than, I guess, the Panthers laundering cap space for drafting? Well, who's, who's I mean, who's left? I mean, is Phil Forsberg going to go now? The way the people... Predators are playing, you can't, like, it sucks if you if he walks, but he's kind of like your own rental at that point. You can't trade him in the situation they're in. He just I think, like, I think you have to trade him if he's telling you that there's no chance or it's like under 30% or under chance of him resigning. I think you have to, because your team is good, but they're not good enough. 
and you can move him at the way prices are. You can move him and get pieces to pivot at the draft and get some more talent to help you next year. Um, you know, because you can get some, you know, talk about the Rangers. Like the Rangers for Forsberg would maybe give you, you know, Kratsev, Lundqvist. Uh, um, they could give you, you a know, lot. Braden Schneider maybe. Like there's a lot that they could do. But when I, I think about a, a, a situation like that, like with Anaheim, it became pretty clear as they started losing and Pat Verbeek's like, okay, we, we just yeah. have to do this. We have no choice. But we've got also all these young players that are coming along. And the, the it's, I guess, a little different with Nashville because their best prospect is a goalie, and they've already got a pretty good goalie, you know, and he, and he just became the, the, you know, the highest goal scorer in the team's history. Like, I think th- th- that is more of a, a Giroux-type situation than it is anything else, as much as I think Philip Forsberg getting traded would, you know, would be awesome for the, the sparks flying. Um, yeah. The other thing, the other thing I'm interested in in seeing, I guess, is what else. You know, like if you're a team, like I'm always curious as what Edmonton's doing because they never go all in, even though they should because they have McDavid. Uh, they're gonna just add just a bottom of the line. They're gonna, to they're gonna add um, like a checking line. Yeah, it's just, just or stupid like... Oilers things. And the other thing, I think we all thought John Klingberg might get traded, but then Miro Heiskanen got motto, and the and the you know the stars got hot, so they can't really do that now. Again, it's like one of those things. Like Anaheim losing so... probably was good for the the longer term health of the Ducks. You know, I'm also curious as to what LA might do because I because you know I Igor Larionov has talked to me a lot about Arthur Kaliev, and I think he's a really fun player. I think I, I think you were touting him in that draft a couple years ago. You wanted the Panthers to draft him. Yeah. Um. But also, I think that team's pretty good. Like, I think I don't know how many. Oh, they're really they're good. Win. I would. I think but that I like they. The, I like the way they play, and they've got a ton of prospects who they could they, move to get what they want. If they want to speed it up, the way they speed it up is getting Chikrin. If they don't yeah, want to speed yeah. it up, I mean, because there's no other forward. I think other than you know, Phil Forsberg, I guess. I yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice, but I don't know if Nashville wants to make that trade. Um, no, I don't think that, so, but you're right about you're right about Chikrin. Like that, if they want to speed up their re- – but I also think that's kind of an off-season move at this point. But I think the Kings maybe. trading for Chikrin makes a ton of sense. Like that that would be a really smart because, move and yeah, they have the prospects to give up to do it. They need, they need an impact forward or they need an impact D. or the, They really need both of them to compete, but you're – if you want to speed it up, you can't wait for Bjornfoot or Byfield to turn into that. You 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 get one of them, you know, to to get that. I mean, Bjornfoot looks great, and I would love to add him on the Panthers. But I, I I think the Kings are. I mean, I I hated the way they played against the Panthers with all those guys injured. But you know, Tom McClellan's a, a hell of a good hockey coach. That that guy can coach. And so I, yeah. I I have a lot. I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about the Kings. I want to see if Flurry gets traded. Uh, maybe it's Minnesota, and Minnesota's in the weird situation where they kind of have to go for it this year because the cap's going to kill them in the coming years. If if Minnesota out. if Minnesota's in on Flurry, you know Colorado's in on Flurry. If at least to drive up the price, um, but yeah. you and, know and, and it's going to come. Team, and there's another team that I'm eminently curious about, and that's Vancouver, because. You know, they have a new front office, obviously, and it's got some interesting stuff going on there. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic about that. They got hot for a while. They got smoked last night. 
you know so like in in every regard they should not be going for it they they have no reason to do that you got to recoup picks but yeah. also like trading besser and garland now is just one of those things where i'm like really it's kind of one of those things where i'm like i, I would personally and i know this doesn't really make a ton of sense like it's kind of like we're in this point where if they stood pat Maybe they make a run and maybe they sneak in. And if they don't, then, hey, we can make these trades in the offseason because the, now we have a little is, bit more to rebuild with. I mean, yeah, people are going to say the Chariot thing was way overpriced and everything. But, I mean, the prices are are high right now. And, and so moving them now, you're getting top of the top value on, on players. And, you know, if – it's hard to overlook and on Vancouver what are you doing you know like there also might be the things you know Garland's looking around I don't want to be here Besser's looking around I don't want to be here you have to respond to that and you might want to make those moves before it gets toxic uh because you know since they've brought in Boudreaux they do have positive momentum they do have positive fan engagement why would you want to keep some guys who don't want to be here longer if you're it's in a good market and you can move them yeah i mean that there's always that point and i'm always curious as to what carolina might do yeah, especially if you can move them you know move them out of conference where you know it's easier to deal with them when they don't have to be seen and they're never yeah. going to be seen in the playoffs you know in, in a until yeah. the very end and and the other team i guess is carolina i'm always curious as to what the hurricanes might do they they don't operate the same way other teams do yeah I but, think I think that they're going to do something sneaky because, you know, that's... I think uh, they see what's happening in the Atlantic and they're like... And you know that their owner's going to be at least saying, hey, what can we actually do here to put pressure back on teams? Because they're in the that's middle how of he a thinks. cup win. They're, they're yeah. in the middle of a cup window. Like, they, they also yeah. feel like they have to win. They're, and they're really, really good. They're Florida. They spent years building towards this and now's the payoff. Yep. So, so you do push all in because, you know, and the difference if, is if they've not, just got then, more prospect capital that yeah. they can afford to you, give you up. Don't, you don't want to be the team that's trading Huberto after he played his 1,000th game with the club because you didn't utilize his They've got They've prime. got many more guys, you know, that they've got more prospect capital that they can give up than Florida. So I wouldn't be shocked if they, if they did something like that. And they haven't done half of what Florida's done. Oh, I mean, no, 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 no. Like, the last time they did a move like that was, yeah. was Trocek. Like, I, I, mean, I know they went and got Kakaniemi. I know they did that. But, like, you know, like, I don't, I don't, like, last year they just went and got, you know, a bottom six defenseman. And they got rolled by the Lightning. You know, like, I think, you know, their experience, like, Trocek was one of those things that it was too good to be true, right? And so you do it. But in the case of, you know, that team, like, it feels like, you've got to do something a little bigger and they have enough. Like I know they gave up their first round pick, but they've got enough that they could well, do. I mean, it's people are, are don't understand deadline value and how deadline. it's not directly related to how good the player is. Okay. The reason Giordano went for cheaper than chariot is because Giordano could pick his team. Seattle is going to respect him as their captain. It didn't work out in Seattle. They stink. That's great. You know, he wanted to go home to Toronto. It's coming out all right now. He he, he wanted to go home to Toronto. They respected that. They made the trade the best they could get for him. 
that's going to be a lot less than whatever, you know, that, that operates in a whole different world of what Florida paid for Montreal. A defenseman who could say, these 10 teams I don't want to go to, but these 22 teams I have to go to if you actually trade me there. That means 22 teams can put in competing offers to drive the price up. And a team who just, you know, Zito prioritized beating the market in you know, to the defenseman of his choice versus beating the market in value. And he said, hey, if you put together what I gave for Giroux and Chariot, it still comes out to I paid fair value overall. Why wouldn't I do this? I make sure I get the guy I want so he doesn't go to elsewhere. I know I'm not getting Giordano. He probably knew he wasn't getting Lindholm because of the extension. So those were the top three defensemen that they were linked to as far as top being Panthers, list of who they targeted and why wouldn't you trust Zito at this point no I, I and that's that's my you point. know so and, like and the last and the last thing I want to say is this podcast has gone on a bit and we will have more obviously coming we might podcast after yeah. the day after the first Giroux so, game with the Panthers we so might do there's that a, there's a lot of Panthers fan right now that are just like I I don't understand why we couldn't get Giordano or whatever and like trust me I wanted him or Lindholm more than who they got too Trust me, I I, I, I was on Hampus Lindholm not, for three years. Both of us are not big fans of Ben Sherratt. Yeah, but, but I have to understand, I think, in the way that not only were we skeptical of I, Bennett and Montour last year, like I, I, they, they, they wanted a certain thing. They got a certain thing for the most reasonable price, considering the parameters of Lindholm wants an extension, we can't do that. Giordano probably wants to go home, well, we certainly can't do Boston. that. Boston? The Boston, New York, St. Louis, uh, Colorado, and Florida were all in on him. That's going to drive up the price. Just yeah, period. No, I mean, it, like, it's this, just going to happen. Because the player couldn't stop it to any teams. Like, all of those teams are teams that have, that wanted this defenseman, made him a priority, and were willing to play, pay a first, uh, another prospect. And, you know, it was the something else that got him over the top. Zito just finally just was willing to just do it to, to move forward with it so he could just get focused on Drew because it was taking longer than he probably wanted. And I think that there's, there's always an element of, as I said, when you're talking about the Panthers, a team that has been so bad for so long to go from, hey, we need all this stuff because it's the only way we're going to be good to, no, we actually can win the Stanley Cup, and you've got to focus yeah. on the next couple months. It's it's a it's a hard mindset to shift out yeah. of when you're, I, I when you're see, in that mindset. I want to see what you know what a guy like Justin Braun goes for before, because that's a good comparison for for Ben Chariot, because you know it's a it's it's a guy who is doesn't have trade protect. You know, there could be a bidding war, and analytically is probably better and does the same thing he's not as big and mean but he's the same type of defenseman so you know if he goes for a really cheap price then you could say oh, i wish you know zito did that but uh, you know again zito's going to be like well <laughs> i want somebody that's six three six four and is going to put a sh- the shift of his stick into Mc- you know into mcdavid or matthews or whoever he's going up against chin and that's what I want. I don't care if he gets two minutes in the box. That's what I want. Okay? You know, that's not Braun. Yeah, I mean, like, there, 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 
parallel and the evaluation is going to be different for this team privately than publicly. Yeah. So and, I and, exhausted everything we could yeah. talk about now until tomorrow when more stuff happens. But there will be more live hockey shows to come. As I said, maybe we do a show after the first Giroux game. It's possible. It wouldn't be the night of because I'll be watching the U.S. But we'll do something. We got plenty more coming. And maybe we'll do, as I said, maybe we'll do a podcast after all the Giroux games. I don't think that's going to happen. But there, there's, I mean, and I think the one thing I want to say to as we end this is enjoy the moment because how many of these moments are you going to get as a Panthers fan? I'm not sure how many you're going to get and you don't know how many you're going to get. Enjoy yeah. the fact that this is happening now. If and you enjoy the fact that this, this team is this good and has a chance to win a Stanley cup, 96 was found money and it was an accident. All the other yeah. years were accidents. This is not an accident. This is, yeah. this is, this, this is something that could really be. And again, don't spend all of this time that you will later regret that you were thinking about, oh, they should have kept this, this, and that, because then you'll realize I didn't enjoy that run as much as I should have if they go on to make the final, they go on to win the cup or something like that. I think that's, I think that's hugely important. At this yeah. Point. There's always the uh, back half of July to complain you know, after the draft, once they don't, you know, make trades or anything. Like, you'll you'll always have time to complain, but this is not the time to complain. Not with this team in terms of the fact that we've we waited years for this team to be this good, and now they're here. Don't spend time waiting for them to be this good again, because not only will it probably not happen, you might spend that time complaining too. Anyway, uh, you're going to go eat more grilled cheese, and I'm going to not do that, although I might eat pizza to honor them because that still has cheese in it. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Thank you for listening to the most important Y Hockey show of all time. Until the next one we do, we're going to be awesome. And good night and good hockey.